Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 83, coming from the Studio 3 of the Mere True Value in Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host, producer Eric Fisher. Joining me this week, only person joining me this week, Sean Klosterman, the fifth man. Sean, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. How's everybody doing? Fantastic. Welcome back to the show. I'm glad we didn't scare you off in one week's uh, time. Not yet, at least. Yeah. So, welcome back. Glad to have you. I'm glad. Thanks for expanding our listenership a little bit. Oh, did we do good? Uh, we did. Uh, and it doesn't hurt when the fiance's out <laughs> sharing stuff and finally listening to the podcast. Oh, yeah, so, that was great. She enjoyed it. She enjoyed it. So, good for so, her. Shout out Carolyn right away. Secretary Shauna not able to join us as she decided she was going to do school stuff for her work coming up instead of joining us on the pod. So she she might pop in. I don't know. She's she's out in in the actual apartment, not in the studio. So will she join? Will she not? We'll see. I'm I never rule out surprise appearances by anybody who's affiliated with the show. You never know when someone's going to drop in. Um, as we saw in the comeback episode a couple weeks ago where Justin just decides, hey, I'm going to come in. Uh, Justin doing the high school football coaching thing. Ramsey doing the work thing tonight. So me and Sean, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so as always, we got to talk about our partners before we get into the episode. Got to talk about, once again, shout out Minger True Value and Jill at Wisconsin as our studio host. Um can't thank them enough. Go check them out on our website, rootforwisconsin.com. Link to their site. Also, link to Fanatics, over 300-plus powered stores. Find your gear. Sean, I just bought a brand-new Packers T-shirt ahead of the game this week. Looking yeah, forward yep. to that. that Packer came, game Friday night. That should be a lot of fun. That came in this weekend. so I should get on that. I probably don't have a Packers shirt that I can wear for Friday. Yeah, you might <laughs> have to get some express shipping, but it'll be yeah, here. It'll be here. It's worth the extra little bit. Mm-hmm. Then we've also got our partners, uh, Raise Energy, repsports.com, code ROOT, 4-R-O-O-T, number 4. Code's on the website, link's on the website, it's all there. And then we got our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight, where we are still working on getting a link for them on our website, rootforwisconsin.com. But they're always dropping new flavors. Check out their social media um, for Raise Energy and then Monkey Knife Fight. Like, so we'll get, we'll get a link where you can play the contest here in the upcoming weeks before the start of the regular season starts, so... That's where you make your million money anyway. We'll get there. Work in progress. RootForWisconsin.com. <laughs> anyway, so with that, as I had mentioned, before, as we get into the main part of the episode here, we start off with what we had rooted for. That is brought to you by Fanatics.com. Like I said, 300-plus powered stars, including the Green Bay Packers. And if you are a miserable person like I apparently am, and you're still pulling for the Milwaukee Brewers, you can go there. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks drop in New Jersey's last Friday, mm -hmm. kind of doing that retro theme. So check those out. Those are there already as well. Fanatics.com. And Sean, I'll let you lead off. What did you root for this last week? Uh, I'm pretty sure I got to go with the punt god from the Buffalo Bills, Matt Areza, with his 82-yard bomb of a punt. That is a good day for the brand. Right. 82 yards. That, that's nuts. Yeah. And it, I'm pretty sure it bounced at like the 10. Yeah. It, it, so it was so It wasn't like you got like a roll yeah. and kind of like that. You know, you go golfing and you hit the road or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Or a car path or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, none, none. It wasn't a cheap 82 yards. No. It wasn't like a guy just missed it. He was going to try to let it bounce and just kept going. That's a definition of out kicking your coverage <laughs> right there. <laughs> so 82-yard bomb. 
my Route 4, I was kind of leaning, I was kind of going back and forth between either the Bucks, New Jersey's, which are awesome. I haven't even seen them yet. They're, I mean, they're they're just a throwback to that early 2000s, purple and green. They look so cool. Um, but what I'm actually going to go with is the start of high school football. Uh, you know, Justin, unfortunately, not able to make it here tonight because of that going on. Uh, eight man starting last week, the normal 11 man starting the week before that. But it's just that time of year, Sean, you know, starts getting a little brisk in the air. It's still hotter than hell most days mm-hmm. outside, but mm-hmm. it gets a little brisk at night. Just that little, you know, it's just it's in the air. High school football. It's in the air. I was up at practice last night helping Justin out. What a blast. Oh, yeah. Pads are on. Bing, brings back all the memories. All the memories. So shout out high school football in Wisconsin. 11-man games are underway this week already. That's just crazy. Eight-man games get underway next weekend. But what a what a great time. So that's my route for start of high school football here in Wisconsin. But with the positive, Sean, come the negatives. We got to go to the Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And Sean, your Noogie of the Week. I'm pretty sure I got to go with Fernando Tatis Jr., and what did he do? Uh, got busted for performance-enhancing drugs. 80-game suspension? 80-game suspension, which will take him into next season. And just in case, if there were still 80 games left, he'd also be ineligible for the postseason this year. Now, with that suspension going into next year, I don't know if that makes him ineligible next year as well. I don't believe that it would. No, I don't. I don't think it would. But that is... I I think what's worse about this, I mean, obviously there's there's the element of, you know, his career being tainted with Mm -hmm. performance enhancing drugs. Say what you will about that. I know a lot of people, you know, kind of give a pass to the guys in the early 2000s, just the way baseball was in the 90s. But those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. They really should. 100%. Because you just give Barry Bonds as, as an example. He was good before everything. Well, that and let alone what he did on steroids, of course. And you look at all these guys that were on steroids at one time and they still couldn't do what he did. Well, and that's that's exactly what that. And you just think about the fact that that's just the era of baseball that it was. I mean, it wasn't like it was only like one or two guys, kind of like it is now. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's where it really comes in here is now, you know, because it's so tested and because we're in this new era of. Or, you know, we're actually probably a couple eras past where the testing has been so scrutinized and all that, too. So it's really kind of a different story where, you know, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Seamus Sosa kind of get a pass. But now the other thing that's noogie worthy to me out of this, and I'm going to kind of double down. He's not going to be my official noogie of the week. But the other thing is just the excuses that have come yeah. out of this. Now, yeah, I've seen a few of them. And- Teammates of his are already pissed off because he missed so much of the season with an injury that was not baseball related. Yeah, it wasn't a motorcycle yeah, accident. Yeah, motorcycle accident. So, you know, just kind of one of those things of you got to be smarter than that, especially if you're going to be the, the face of your team, the face of your franchise. Got to be smarter than that. I'm not saying you can't go ride motorcycles or whatever, but you can't lie about it. You can't, you know, put yourself in that position. So now he gets busted for PEDs, which the first thing he said was that it was to cure ringworm. Yep. That's the one I seen. That he's it was a fungal yeah. flip flop medications is what I what I seen. And then his father, Fernando Tati Sr., comes in saying it wasn't ringworm. 
it was to treat an infection. It was a fungal treatment to treat an infection from a, a haircut that he got nicked on. <laughs> and I mean, which didn't get didn't Fernando Tatis Senior get busted for steroids too? Or I'd have to look that, that for some reason that sounds like something that happened. I'd have to I'm look. not hundred percent on that, but but that because he was in that era too. Well, he might have been late two thousands, early two thousand tens, somewhere around there. Okay, let's let's take a look at Fernando Tatis Senior. He's played from ninety seven to twenty ten. Oh, he did play that long. I'm trying to figure out if he did get busted, but either way, I mean, I just I just genuinely. Do not get like the excuse. I mean, at this point, you're busted. You know, mm-hmm. just yeah, hundred percent, you're busted. And, and I guess maybe as we as Brewer fans, the whole Ryan Braun thing, we have no room to talk about. Um, you know, taking the high road on on stuff like that. But no, because that's pretty much who they're comparing him to is Ryan Braun. But at least Braun technically still had the technicality. I mean. Say what you will. I think that was a that that's a whole another discussion. But I I just can't. And then, like I said, just the excuse. They're not even good excuses. No, there's like, no good excuses. You're playing ringworm and ringworm and a haircut infection. Yeah, out of all the stuff you could pick, that's what you pick. Yeah, that's what a wild time to be alive. So that's right. that's that's a quality nugget. That's one I was kind of leaning going here as well. Now my other one, we're gonna stick with the world of baseball. And this is kind of a two-pronged noogie. The first one is everyone giving love to Edwin Diaz's walkout song. Don't get me wrong. Edwin Diaz is having an amazing year this year. He has been a shitty closer for most of his career. For all of his career besides this year. Good enough to, to warrant being wanted, but not good enough to be in most conversations. Yeah. He's, he's no... And, you know, Grand Josh Hader has kind of sucked as of late, especially since the trade. But he's no Josh Hader. He's not Devin Williams. He's he's had a good year, but Grant's in New York, so it gets blown up a little bit yeah. for the Mets. Yeah. The song is okay. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good shout-out to his heritage, I guess. But it's just, I mean, I don't love it. it it's just, it is what it is. So that's the first part of this. And by no means is it the greatest walkout song oh, for a pitcher either. No way, no way. Now the second part of this, though, if we're gonna stay in, because like I said, it's two prong. Former um, big leaguer pitched for the Phillies, the Red Sox, and maybe a couple other stops after the Phillies too, because I think he got traded. He kind of caused his way didn't, out. Didn't he go to the Nationals too? He, that, that sounds about that, right. That another team is Jonathan Papelbon. Now Jonathan Papelbon. Had probably two or three good years with Boston. Won a World Series. Won a World Series. Went to. Was pretty decent. I'd have to look just to get the stats officially right. If we're gonna, you know, we're gonna dump on the guy, we're gonna make sure we do oh, it. So right. can we can we go back to the walkout song? Go uh, ahead. For yeah, absolutely. Because you look at Edwin Diaz's walkout song. It's for the generation now. It's what everybody wants. But for our generation, it was. Mariano Rivera, Trevor Andrew, Hoffman, and Trevor Hoffman, Enter Sandman, and Hell's Bells. I'll, I'll even throw Gagne in there. Eric Gagne. Do you remember? 
Because he was a brewer at one time, too. He was, too. I, keep for, I always forget about we had that We two one. of the, or really three of the greatest closers. K-Rod. Oh, that's right. We had K-Rod, too. Yes, he did play for the Nationals for two years. Six-time All-Star and a World Series. If, if we're looking at uh, one one World Series in 2007 for Papa Vaughn. But, but Hell's Bells coming out for Mar- Trevor, for Trevor Hoffman. Hoffman. Mario was, Ederson, man. Was, they were just songs. You knew when you heard those songs. Game was Game done. was over. And I'll even, you know, throw to a lesser extent, I'll even throw in Josh Hader when he had Renegade by Sticks. Yeah. I mean, he switched it now and this, that, and the other thing, but that was another just dominant, you know, game's done. And anyway, so why Jonathan Papelbon gets thrown in this list is that he's kind of capitalizing on the fame of... Edwin Diaz's walk-up song and saying, no, I have the best walk-up song and putting himself in this greatest closer conversation, which dude, I'm like, he's six time all-star one world series. I mean, he was good for a couple years, you know, six years, I guess, but he's not Mariano. He's not K rod. He's not. Yeah. But he, he also had that amazing offense in Boston yeah. when he was pit, when he was there too. Exactly. He's not Trevor Hoffman. He's not Prime Gagne. Prime K-Rod. Prime, well, K- and K-Rod hung on for so long, too. Mm-hmm. He's not Josh Hader. I wouldn't even say he's Devin Williams. I mean, or he's probably in that conversation with Devin Williams. Yeah, he's pro- he probably is. And, I mean, we'll see what Devin Williams' career ends up being, you know, in the long run. But, Devin, I mean, that's kind of the conversation you're having with what Applebaum was at his time. Wasn't really ever the best closer of his generation, but And I'm pretty sure he had some pretty good setup guys too for for his whole, well, whole career, you look at career in Boston. Boston's rotation even, how deep they went into games. I mean, that was Pedro. That was Schilling. Um, Schilling was there for those two World Series. I mean, you had great pitching. Bronson Arroyo for yeah. a little while there. Yeah, Clay Bockholtz. Yep. That was another one. Um, so you had good starting pitching. You had good middle bullpen if you needed it. And you had an amazing offense of Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, Dave Robertson. Dustin Pedroia. Dustin Pedroia was Johnny coming Damon. up at that part. Johnny Damon was coming up at that point. Um, and really in his prime. And so many, so many. Uh, Kevin Moore. Yeah, Kevin Moore. <laughs> I'm not going to put him in that same. Kevin Euclid. Yep, Kevin Euclid. Jason Veritek. All these t- great players of that era. Just, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, Jonathan Papelbon had kind of come into the conversation. Granted, a- another good song, he had Shipping Out to Boston by Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, but, but when you hear that song, you don't think of Jonathan Papelbon. No. You think of hockey. And, and, you know, that's, I will say the one thing with Mariano's Enter Sandman. I don't, I, you know, personally, I probably think of Virginia Tech more than I think of like Virginia Tech football. Or you think of Sandman from um, WWE. EC, ECW. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Mariano had that. And then you, you Hell's Bells automatically is Trevor Hoffman. Yeah. And like I said, even Renegade is, is Josh Hader. And he hasn't used that. So that's my beef. That's my nuggie. Jonathan Papelbon and all the Edwin Diaz hype. <laughs> anyway, so that's our. Our noogies, our root fours, which leads us to our weird Wisconsin web story. 
And Sean, you actually had this one, so I'll let you. What I actually got people. it from your brother. Okay, I, I got it from your brother Mark. And it was in Wausau, I'm pretty sure, that a turkey flew into a second-story apartment window and broke in, and they had to call the cops on him. So let's let's break this down. So this was a <laughs> it was a viral TikTok. Um, that like I said, there's so many different <laughs> things I want to attack here. So first of all, yes, turkeys do fly. A lot of people think that they don't. Yep. So that's that's first and foremost. Yes, it was Wausau. It's a TikTok that has been liked over nineteen and a half thousand times. So yes, they do fly. It also, you know, the video is of the body camera <laughs> from the police department. And yeah, it's just flying around and they're trying to catch it with a net. Yeah, they're trying to catch it with a fishing net. In this tiny apartment in Wausau. And, and one, it one, looks a lot like my old apartment, to be it honest. Does, with it you. does. It does. It's the studio too. But yeah, they're trying to catch this guy with a his, and neither, neither of the cops want to be locked in the room with it. Well, no, because those <laughs> fuckers are bowling balls, basically. I mean, they're yeah, pretty much. they're nothing to mess with. I mean, you hit a turkey with your car or whatever, like they're big birds. Like, or an owl. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Carolyn. <laughs> but yeah, they're big birds. Like they're twenty pound bowling balls of an animal, and they do they for what it's worth. They you know spoiler they do get. The turkey out, but yeah, yeah unharmed, 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 and everything. He's but he causes a lot of damage in in that yeah. apartment, and just causing chaos. And in and it must have been an it's an empty apartment. It is. So I'm almost kind of thinking here, like somebody was moving out and they were showing just moving out or just moving in because there's some stuff. I love the gloves that they have on. Right, these giant ass. I've watched this like two or three times now. As we've been talking <laughs> about it. But the body cam footage is just exhilarating as they're trying to catch the this one turkey. guy. Was, the one cop was so scared of it. He said Lock, locked the him, bigger locked bald him, guy. Yeah. Locked himself in the bat or pushed himself in the bathroom because he's like, what do I, what am I going to do? I don't have a net. Yeah. This is, this is wild. This is absolutely wild. <laughs> yeah. And it's smashed through the window. So it's not yeah. even like it was an open window. It just, yeah, it's smashed said, right through the window. F it. I'm going in. So that is our, What's weird, Wisconsin? I mean, I'm sure that's probably happening other places, but not as frequently and not. And Wausau's pretty close. Yeah, Wausau. I mean, literally dead center in the state. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's that's what's weird, Wisconsin. We have a turkey break-in <laughs> in the Wausau <laughs> Police Department. So, if you haven't seen it on TikTok, go check it out. I'm sure it's on every other news outlet out there too, or at least in around Wisconsin. But turkey break-in. Yep, that's a Tur- good one. Turkey breaking was a good one. I've seen that, and I'm like, oh, that'd be a good That is a good great, what's weird, what's weird Wisconsin, <laughs> Wisconsin web story. With that, we go to our next area here, and just kind of taking a look around the state of Wisconsin sports. We'll talk Packers here more in a bit. We'll talk Brewers here more in a bit. As mentioned, Milwaukee Bucks do have new uniform as an alternate uniform. Uh, so, you know, kind of a cool, like I said, a nice little throwback to the early 2000s, the Ray Allen era, mm-hmm. the Michael Red era. That's all I can think of. I guess uh, Bogut. Would you consider Bogut? No, I Bogut think of Bogut in the green, the Christmas uniforms, the reindeer uniforms. I always call them. But I'm trying to think, Des- Desmond Mason. Desmond Mason. Is it Des- Anthony Mason too that they had? I mean, I, they had two. Um, 
the 2001 team is really what I think of getting beat by AI in the Eastern Conference Finals. But yeah. Either way, what a great era of Bucks basketball that was immediately preceded by about a decade of shit. No. We did have Brandon Jennings, though. That's also one of the reindeer uniforms. Is it? Yeah, that was that was him and Bogut were in the reindeer uniform. The green, the red, and... Oh, yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, but yeah, like I said, just a great uniform. They kind of teased it a little bit last year because they had, like, little bits of all the classic uniforms last year in their alternate jersey, but this one they're going straight with the purple and green, so shout out with that. It's going to be kind of cool to see uh, Giannis at 34 kind of thinking of of Ray Allen back in the day. So that's that's the first uh, little bit of Wisconsin news. Did schedule came... Their big games came out, openers and Christmas Day Christmas games came Day. out. They will be. I have to look into that. Let me get that pulled up here as well. Um, but they will be playing Christmas Day again, which really shout out to them. I mean, if you even asked me five years ago if the Bucks would be a Christmas Day playing team, I would have said there's no chance in hell. You um, drafted a what, seventeen year old Giannis? Giannis at the time. Well, I suppose that's longer than five years ago, but. Now, as I look for the schedule here, I do want to ask if you're if you're kind of seeing all the hoopla about um, Giannis potentially playing for the Bulls. I did see that. Now, I kind of think, in a way, I kind of think this has been taken wildly out of context. Now, I haven't heard the exact quote. No, I haven't either. But at the same time, I'm just, you know, I, all I can think of is just that this is... Like I said, being taken probably wildly out of context. They're um, just kind of running with this story because he just kind of said, well, you know, I don't know what the future holds. Yeah, exactly. I think he picked Chicago just because they're nearby. I don't, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that. I mean, I get wanting to play for the Bulls and, you know, if you're a huge, you know, fan of the 90s basketball. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's the big market. It's a big market, more money, everything that way. And but at the same time, it's like I said, it just I think it's being overhyped it, a little yeah. bit. Buck Celtics. Oh, Buck Celtics. Uh and then I believe that'll be in Boston. Mm. Will be Christmas Day game. But yeah, I, I like I said, I'm not buying the hype right now on that. No. I mean, if it happens, it happens and we'll talk about it then, but you know, you get the superstars, small media, you know, the NBA loves putting players on the big market teams Oh yeah. before it ever happens. I think it just gives them something to talk about. And well, and yeah, and the media is going to throw everything way to the way and way as far into left field as it can to get their views and everything that way. And. So anyway, that's that is our Bucks talk for now. Not a whole lot going on, which I suppose is a good thing. Mm-hmm. New Jersey's Christmas Day schedules is always, you know, if you're talking about that in mid-August, things are pretty good. So with that, we go to Badger football. And a couple things kind of going on here as we start week two of the fall camp. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about, you know, Monday or excuse me. Uh, yeah, Monday, a whole big scare came through 
about Braylon Allen skipping or he didn't skip practice, but he was not suited for practice yesterday. Um, and and everyone panicking. Sound from who, reports. Who's that guy? He's 18 years old. Is that the 18 year old? Yeah. Guy? Uh, so from the reports, it did cause a little bit of panic, but it sounds like from what I can or what I'm reading here, and this is going to give credit to Bucky's Fifth Quarter Espionation.com. Uh, just kind of a little bit of a rest day, um, giving him just a, kind of a caution. If he's not 100%, why let him, you know, why run him? Yeah, exactly. He's your number one back. And we'll see what happens with that. You know, I'm not too, too worried about in the grand scheme of, of things at this point. And what I did want to talk on to go with that, though, is Ches Malusi, who was the transfer from Clemson, who... Had a very good start to the year last year. Was kind of taking the number one reps and has looked damn good coming out of coming off that injury last year and coming out of fall camp here. So very good there. Uh, they have also because okay, go ahead. No, did you did you see James White retired? Also, that's a bad, I did see that. That was a former Badger. And while we're talking about former Badgers and the pros, also Jonathan Taylor not going to play any preseason. Yeah, I figured that. But yeah, James, shout out James White. Excellent career. Should have been a Super Bowl MVP. Should have, yes. Wasn't. Only guy to have a walk-off touchdown in the Super Bowl, which is kind of cool. Absolutely. So. Because that, that's kind of what Ches Malusi is going to kind of remind me of. That with, receiving. That receiving, receiving back, back. And that, that. Change of pace back. Yeah. You know, it's really, as you got here today, Sean, I was playing NCAA 13. Yeah, I walked in on that, yeah. And uh, I was playing the Dynasty mode and set, you know, just started playing the uh, the first season of it with the Badgers. And remember Monte Ball and then your change of pace back was James White. Mm-hmm. And I was third down and probably, you know, from the 40-yard line, I was like third and one. Ran a counter to the right side and James White was gone. 45-year touchdowns, something like that. So, uh, just, like I said, hell of a career. Multiple Super Bowls. Should have been an MVP in the 28-3 comeback game. Wasn't, whatever. Talk yep. about it later. Yep. But, um, but anyway, so current Badgers, though. We'll kind of root back to that here. Yep. Uh, lots of hype coming out of the offensive side of the ball right now, which the defense you kind of know is going to be pretty good as always. And a lot of good talk about, you know, and Justin probably would be better to kind of suited to talk about this, but a lot of kind of hype coming out of the reimagined offense with Bobby Ingram at the helm and the, you know, receiver room really being at, you know, it's probably its best in quite some time, if not really, if we're talking grand scheme of things, probably ever. Yeah. Um, You know, just all the promise potential there. So. Really love seeing all that and all reports coming out. Graham Mertz is looking like the prospect that we thought he was three years ago. Finally, we'll see if that ends up maintaining, but kind of looking that way. Uh, AP poll came out the other day. Badgers are coming in at 18, which probably about right. Yeah, I would say that's about right. And yeah, they, they get years where they're ranked really high and come into come into the season and. They just don't do anything and end up right right around that 18 mark anyways. So we will have to talk to Justin um, 
about the Badgers coming up here between now and September 9th, or September 3rd, excuse me, as the Badgers' first home game, Saturday, September 3rd, hosting Illinois State on FS1, 6 p.m. kickoff time on that one. We'll talk to Justin sometime between now and then, get the full scope of things as to what he's got to say about the Wisconsin Badger football team. Uh, tickets on sale for the Wisconsin Badger Brew City Battle against Stanford at AmFam Field. So you can get those tickets there as well. Check that out if you're into that. Badger basketball playing at AmFam Field. Both men and women tickets are available through the Brewers and I believe through the Badgers as well. That'd be a fun. That'd be a fun thing to go to just to see what they do to AmFam Field. And I'm curious if they would put that in the outfield. You almost have to with the pitching mound, right? You would, you would think, unless they got a raised court for some reason, or for some reason, but I wouldn't think they would. Yeah, you, you know, if, when you go to concerts, they're almost all there. They're you know the concert stages in the outfield, mm-hmm. and you can kind of load up the infield and the uh, like the early, you know, the shallow parts of the outfield with seats too. So I almost kind of think they do that. But it really presents an interesting, like, how do you put a basketball court into a major, into a baseball stadium? Yeah, exactly. So, looking forward to that. That'll take place this fall as well. That'd be, hopefully, to start a cool things to happen with the Badgers and Amfan Field and everything like that would be kind of cool to see. In yeah, the years abs- coming. absolutely. It looks like, actually, the rendering of it, the, that center court is going to be just behind the pitcher's mound mm. that's kind of cool and then they'll have a, a set of bleachers on the far side as well uh. i suppose that'll work too all right cool so <laughs> tickets are available to that <laughs> check out uwbadgers.com check out brewers.com for your tickets for that with that sean we'll just touch on our milwaukee brewers as of this recording time Early lead for the Brewers up to nothing. Uh, worth noting, you know, and we talked about this a little bit last week, kind of the, the downfall of the second half. Came out of the All-Star break 7-1. and one. Since that eighth game, they are, what was it, 4-9? Four 4-9, and thir- four and nine, so 4-9, 4-13, four four something? It was 4, yeah, those something, numbers were, I think like it was 4-9 because I think it was out of the, the last 13, which would check out, you know, from last Thursday, a couple off days mixed in. Yeah. Or last or Friday would be a week, a couple off days. Yeah. Sounds about right. Sounds too much, like too much math. <laughs> and anyway, but yeah, it's just, it's been just such a shit start to the second or the second part of the second half. And we saw it again this weekend. And really since, I mean, granted they had last Thursday off. But since last Wednesday in an extra inning win against the Rays, where really you came off that game, we're talking so great about, you know, the the 10th inning sequence of Devin Williams only facing two batters, getting the lead runner at third, and the throw out of the runner going to try to steal second, and then a strikeout. You take that, you know, high you were on, and off day Thursday, and then you have 31 games in 31 days. A very daunting task. You go to St. Louis, big weekend for the division. Friday night, you lay an egg. Saturday, you pick up a thrilling win that really, I mean, first of all, Saturday, you had the matchup of Wainwright and Burns, both of them just 
dealing. Nope. Wainwright only giving up. You know, Wainwright goes online, gives up the two. Incredible game. Or no, gives up one in nine innings. Incredible game for him. And then gets a no decision. Burns went six, I believe, or seven in that game. Also a great, uh, great job by the Brewers bullpen. Matt Bush getting the save. Devin Williams pitching an incredible ninth inning. Through the heart of the lineup. I mean, you had Arenado, Goldschmidt, and... I believe Pujols pinch it in there too. Who both Arenado and Goldschmidt are having incredible MVP years. Seasons. They could be both be MVPs and they're on the same team. So all just a great win Saturday night. I, I told we were out in Sean and I were out in Minnesota. I, you know, kind of chit chatting about the game after the, you know, it gets done. That's a game that if you make the playoffs, that could potentially be a season saver because mm-hmm. otherwise if you go into Sunday, you know, I mean, granted, they still end up losing two out of three as they lost Sunday as well. But if you potentially get swept in that St. Louis series and then you've got a game against the Dodgers or you, four, you play seven out of ten, basically, against the Dodgers, who have won now 13 straight games or 14 straight games by two runs or more, are just on a heater and a half. First team to win 80 games this season. They're 80 and 34 right now, yeah, which is insane. And you're going to go into that potentially, like I said, coming off of a, either a sweep or, a, you know, two out of three. That pretty much kills your season. So good momentum game and then uh, losing an extra innings on Sunday, which yeah. sucked. Was but Saturday, Pujols hit two bombs? No, no, was that it, was Sunday. That was Sunday? Uh, Pujols actually, like I said, he had the pinch hit and struck out. Mm against Devin Williams. Uh, so kind of a rocky start. Then you lose last night. You get shut out by the Dodgers, lose a four, nothing game to the Dodgers. And again, like I said, one run since or five runs since last week, Wednesday. Yeah. I think the stat for the run differential was almost seven runs in that eight and one span. And now it's down to on somewhere around three. Yeah. Oh. Now, I will say this, though, the positive thing, as we sit here tonight, two runs score in the first. And, you know, I kind of was thinking about this. These issues that the Brewers have seen since this 4-9 and nine or 4-13, and 13, whatever drought they've been on, it hasn't been pitching, per se. No. Which, you is, know, which is usually always what it is with the Brewers. It hasn't been, you know, starting pitching has been pretty good. The bullpen, you know, you trade away Josh Hader. Josh Hader not being here isn't the reason they're losing these games. No, not even. Not any, I mean, any reason. maybe you point to Sunday's loss because they go with um, Taylor Rogers, but Taylor Rogers isn't the reason they lost that game. Taylor Rogers, you know, the Brewers lost that game because they didn't score after the second inning. Yeah, and the way Hader's been pitching out in San Diego has been, yeah, the, the same thing exactly. I mean. So, it's not Josh Hader getting traded. You know, the Brewers go and shirt up a whole bunch of bullpen, which Matt Bush has been incredible. Yep. Matt Bush has been a great part of this team. Devin Williams has been great since the trade. Brad Boxberg has been pretty good. You know, the bullpens remain steady. This isn't a bullpen issue. This is a fact. And, you know, you can complain about the trade deadline. They didn't get a bat. Uh, reports did come out that they did try to trade for Josh Bell 
who ended up going to the Padres in the mega deal yep. with uh, Juan Soto. And there was another bat that they had tried to get as well. I think they were in on Benatendi, uh, who ended oh. up being going to the Yankees. But there was one other name that didn't end up getting traded that would have been a great addition. This got reported over the weekend. I think Wisconsin Sports Heroics had picked it mm-hmm. up. Um, I'd have to look into that. But while I do that, I'm just going to kind of – you can't blame anything except the offense right now. Yeah, that's – all you got to blame, and I, it, I don't know if they're reliant, if we're reliant on the home run ball too much, and we're not doing what the small ball stuff that we should be doing. Well, and right now you're we not even getting guys on base right now. Yeah, exactly. We're not. You're getting, you know, you look at I think even on Sun or on Fridays or Friday's loss, I think they had one base runner or. In one span, I think after the second inning or when they did score, they got shut out basically. Um, the entire, you know, the rest of the game, the Brewers on Sunday's loss and into last night's loss had gone 16 straight innings without a scoring. Just, just insane. You know, they get almost no hit for, you know, six or seven innings, I think, on Saturday night's win. Just. No, not Saturday nights. Um, Friday? No. Either way, it it's just just an insane. Like you can't, you just can't. You know, like yeah. I I can only say that so many times, but just it's it's maddening, and Brewers fans just bitch and bitch and bitch about the yeah. hater trade and this that and the other thing. It's it's just the offense. We can't blame the injuries because everybody's been knock on wood, pretty healthy lately. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, I just I just don't know what else. I mean, I I really don't know what else to say at this point. Just you've mm-hmm. got to score. And they're kind of running into a buzzsaw with uh with some pretty good teams here too. I mean, you got Dodgers, you got the Cardinals. I know Cardinals are division rivals and everything that way, but there's and you still got a pretty good even team. kind of worst case scenario. You you know if you go look at where you could have been, um, you know, or where you've got to be, I should say, excuse me. You've got to look at the Phillies who are playing some pretty good baseball right now. Oh, the other name, uh, by the way, as I look at this, the other name that they were looking at was Jack Peterson. He was actually their main target instead of Trevor Rosenthal and the Giants. Really? But the Giants didn't want to barge. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was... That was going to bug me if I didn't find that out. <laughs> <laughs> the World Series MVP of last year, wasn't he? Who killed the Brewers in the NLDS, yeah, too. Exactly. With them stupid fucking pearls that he wore mm-hmm. that postseason. But that would have been a great bat to get. Yeah. Josh Bell would have been a great bat, too. I don't know where you would have put him in the lineup. No. With Rowdy and, you know, McCutcheon and Yellow sharing all kind of DH duty and Keston. But you would have found a spot for him. That would have been... Pretty cool. Or Keston might have been gone in that trade, too. I mean, that could have been the piece that Washington Washington wanted, too. Right? Washington? Yeah. San Francisco. Oh, no, for Josh for, Bell. For Josh, yeah, Bell. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Josh Bell. Yeah, Washington. That would have been a pretty good trade. I don't know. I personally would have done that, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it it's pretty much coming 
I see I've been seeing a whole bunch of stuff about the Juan Soto trade and everything like that and how Washington shouldn't have done it and did the trade that everybody brings up as a Miguel Cabrera trade mm-hmm. and how good Miguel Cabrera was for but he's still I mean yeah he was an all-star this year kind of on a technicality but he's still I mean he won the triple crown they won a world series they won a world did they yeah Oh, no, no, they lost to the Giants. Never mind. Yeah. They lost to the Giants. But they were close a few years. I mean, they 2013, they were uh, took Boston with Boston 2013. They were in the ALCS. They, yeah. I mean, they had some good years in there. And you still look at the Florida Marlins and or Miami Marlins. Sorry. They were the Florida Marlins back then. I'll give you the pass. So what have they done in however many years? Speaking of the Marlins, though, for just a second, just... Because I was thinking about this over the weekend too, and you know we actually were a benefactor. And I gotta be careful how I say this, but think about what happens to that team if Jose Fernandez doesn't get in that boat accident. I think Jose Fernandez gets traded. They're not going to keep him. That, but him passing away in that boat accident, it well causing the boat accident too. I don't want to yep. diminish that either, but. But him in that boat accident, it took one year for them to blow that whole thing up. Yeah. They exactly. trade Stanton. They trade Gellich. They trade Ozuna. They trade Real Muto. It took one year after he had passed away. They, one season. D. Gordon, too. Yeah. They had a lot of money invested in that team for that first or second year in Miami. Which is Derek, G- Derek Jeter still the GM of that? No, he, uh, or, he's out. He's out now? He's been out for a while? This year's the first this year. year, I'm pretty sure. But just, like I said, just how quick that had to blow up after, or not had to, I guess, because, I mean, you talk about their first year being the Miami Marlins, where it was Hanley Ramirez, Jose Reyes, and then they had kind of sold all those guys, and they had this second wave of yeah. of their, you know, p- potential relevancy as being the Miami Marlins. They had, you know, the... the the orange and everything was kind of going looking their they had, way. They had the new stadium. They had all the people behind them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they had everything. They had everything to make it work. They just didn't. Exactly. And then, like I said, you know, you look at Ozuna, who's played on some really good teams. You look at Yelich, who had an MVP season and potentially another MVP season. He's got some buses, kneecap, and yep. Mike and John Carlos Stanton and. You almost said Mike. Yeah, I know. I almost said Mike. <laughs> but which one he came up? He was Mike Stanton. He did. He was Mike Stanton for the longest time with them. Yeah. Also reminds me of when he took that fastball off his bat against the Brewers with Mike Fires on the hill, just off the dome <laughs> and ricochet. And that's that's where all these guys wear that extra chin piece on their helmets now. Yeah. But. All in all, I mean, just just an insane kind of thing to think about. And that's that's kind of like the thing, you know, I kind of bring all this back. You know, we're not just sitting here shooting the shit because Miami, while it is a pretty big market, it's not like the most successful. I mean, they've had a World Series or a couple of World Series titles out of that early 2000s teams. But yeah, 99, 2000, I'm pretty sure they won with who was that Pudge that had Mike Lowell. But I, I say all this pretty, pretty good teams back as a smaller team in the grand scheme of things, and you look at where the Brewers are, the Brewers, 
are really kind of just trying to tread water as a successful franchise. I mean, kind of getting the most out of these guys they have now that are still on arbitration type deals. Like a Corbin Burns, like a Brandon Woodruff, etc. Before they have to pay a whole bunch of guys. But at the same time, you know, getting, a, you know, bringing guys in here and there, you know, like a Colton Wong or, uh, you know, really kind of mixing that youth and that veteran leadership and kind of trying to maximize that. And while also being, you know, trying to avoid what the what the Marlins went through, what the uh, the Royals of the mid 2010s went through, where you go all in and granted the Royals got a World Series title out of it. Yeah. But then. You get rid of Hosmer, get rid of Moustakas, you get rid of... I mean, Perez is still there against all odds, but... Yeah, but he's been injured for... You throw his name year. around every trade deadline. Yeah. All your pitching's gone. Your Texas, Ran- when Texas Rangers went all in that one year, too? For the two, before they lost to the, the Cardinals they lose in 2011. To the Cardinals? In the, Another Brewers potential year, but... In the, that was a David Freeze playoffs, wasn't it? Yep. God, I hate the fucking Cardinals. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's our brewer talk for the night, which leads us into our beloved Green Bay Packers. Now, I didn't look at the defensive stats, Sean, so I don't know if your prediction was right. No, I didn't. I don't know how long he played either. I know Shauna was almost right. Yeah, she was off by two yards. Yeah, she was th- what? It was thirty-eight yards? No, no, thirty, thirty-three. Her prediction was thirty-five, and Jordan Love for threw for two. 33 are touchdowns. One to Romeo Dobbs, which was her prediction. Yep. And then another two former Wisconsin Badger, Danny Davis, who made an incredible move. Which, number 25? 20. Well, he was 20. That's what he was. Thank God. <laughs> None of this Kevin King bullshit in this house anymore. <laughs> oh, so what you're saying is that Kevin King jersey that's sitting over my shoulder isn't yours? There is not a Kevin. First of all, do not let him fuck with you. There is not a Kevin King jersey in this studio, nor do I own one. So let's put that to bed right away. Second of all, be a good gift. It would and, not and be. Anybody wants to get the the host at a Roofer Wisconsin show or something, you can get him a Kevin King jersey. I I would not be happy about that. Come on, even if your mom got it. If my mom got it, <laughs> and she knows the stories, and she knows the Kevin King Dumpster Fire of the Year award, I don't know what I would say. I I remember I went to you know just for my my radio job last week or last year last season that I, you know I've been at for sort of my sixth season at the fan. Holy man! But there was a Packer game where I was at down at Green Bay Distillery, you know, doing our pregame show or helping with, with pregame show. And there was a guy wearing a Kevin King Jersey to the game. I remember you telling me this story, which, which first of all, I mean, the fact that you're still wearing that and you haven't upgraded shame on you. Yeah. The second thing, this was like a new looking Jersey too. So at some point, like went to, went to the, the pro went to the pro shop, Got a spent a good what ninety hundred bucks on a Kevin on King a jersey. Freaking King jersey. I just I don't get it. I really I don't get it. But my prediction was about half right. I did say that Jordan Love would throw two touchdowns, which he did. But also three three picks. He did throw three picks, which I said that he was going to th- throw more touchdowns than interceptions. 
which did not end up being the case. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, though. Uh, defensively, you said Quay Walker five tackles? I think five, yeah. Uh, Quay Walker, I don't see his name on the defensive. Oh, man. I don't think he had any, Sean. I know he was there because I seen him there. I think he played only one series. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, I think he only played one series, though. Maybe two. Because they were hyping him up on the on the broadcast I was watching, at least. So, yeah, did not register a tackle, though, or I don't see any stats here for him. Yeah. But he did play fat. He he played well, but just did not register a tackle, which, whatever. Yeah. It's preseason. So, with that in mind, just kind of breaking down this game, Packers do lose to the 49ers 28-21. Uh, we, you know, we talk, we could talk about the numbers, Jordan love 13 of 24, 176 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions on the surface. That looks like an awful game. Yeah, it really does. But I do think the Jordan love looked his best that he's looked. Oh yeah. And, and these interceptions, first of all, the interceptions, two of them were Aaron Rodgers interceptions where like the first one and Oh shit, that doesn't look good. Yep, that's gone. That's hidden. Ooh. Maybe not. Oh, just just too under it. Too high. Too high. But anyway, so the first one, Tyler Davis running a slant route as a tight end, hits him perfect spot, leads him, hits him in the hands, and then it feels like it's like a Madden where the ball just gets tipped up in the air and sits there for 15 seconds where the defender pretty much got a fair caught underneath it. Yeah. And then took it back as an interception. That's one. The second one gets rustled away from Romeo Dobbs. This is technically a drop. But, you know, Dobbs has to come up with that. Yeah. So that's two. And then the third one, two guys ran the wrong route. And even still, I mean, it was a bad one, but you can't have two guys run the wrong route. Yeah. And, you know, part of that. Is him being able to see, oh, shit, they did that. But also, if you're kind of predicting a break and they zag instead of zig, yep. then you look like an idiot. But two, if two guys two guys ran the wrong route and you can sit there, I mean, not great numbers, but you can kind of talk yourself out of all three. Yeah. But, and, I mean, it's still it's still three interceptions. I mean, it really, really is. But he looked good on all the <laughs> – I mean, the – Deep balls that he was throwing. He was confident. He was stepping up in the pocket. He's playing running, with a lot more running, rhythm. Running with the ball when yep. he got under pressure, not just throwing it away or or throwing it to some wherever. Throwing it out. Yeah, throwing it out. But or just making a bad decision and throwing throwing a yeah, bad, forcing bad interception. But really, you know, you can kids got a mullet. <laughs> makes great decisions on it. He looked poised. He looked like he had rhythm finally. I don't know if he's going to be the starting quarterback. I think the, the plan is for him to start this week again, and Rodgers probably won't play again this week. And Rodgers might play that preseason finale next week in Kansas City. That's yet to be seen. I Personally, doubt, I don't I, give, I doubt he plays. I don't give a shit if he does or not, to be honest. Uh, Danny Etling also threw for a touchdown on uh, Friday night. That was a... 22-yard pass to Amari Rogers, but the two touchdowns Jordan Love did throw. First one to Romeo Dobbs. That was 
picture perfect. It looked almost like Aaron and Devante. Yep. Yep. Stepped up in the pocket, hit a fade route. Really can't ask for anything just better. A, just a good good throw it up and let your guy go get it. Second touchdown to Danny Davis right before the half. Davis made a great you know, had a great break. Love throws him open, makes a great move to get to the end zone. To dive to the end zone for the touchdown. Really can't ask for much more. No. If you can go into that and, you know, kind of look to rebound this week against the Saints, I expect another great showing from Love and this Packers offense, which only to put up the 21 points. But uh, kind of the reports coming out of the camp today that some of the younger guys do have to kind of avoid the drops. Now, Christian Watson was activated Sunday off the pup list, as was Elton Jenkins and Big Bob Tunyon. Oh, really? When I saw that. First of all, I knew they were close, but I didn't think they were that close. Love to see both the all three of those guys being back officially. Oh, totally. Would love to see Bakhtiari, but we'll you know we'll see how yeah, that. Yeah, we'll cross up. that bridge when we get there. Not you know going to rush the guy, do what he's got to do. That's a big body to be throwing throwing around and everything, and that's that's your blind side. I mean, you. But I will say this though, the you know very, very kind of telling without saying. Elton Jenkins has been getting a lot of work at right tackle. Yep. Now, for the time being, I think that says very good things about their what they're thinking inside 1265 about the injury to David Bakhtiari, that they're not putting him to left tackle for the time being. Because did we lose Yash Nyman? Nope, or? Yash Nyman still is in the starting lineup. Because um, is he, he going to play an inside, inside spot? Or is he just going to be that backup lineman that... I don't know, to be honest with you. I, I almost wonder if they maybe... If slash when Bakhtiar does come back, if they do put him to right tackle and then put Jenkins back at the left guard. Which that would make that would make sense, too. I mean, really, there's, I guess I shouldn't say this, you know, definitively, but there's not really a wrong move they can make. No. If all those guys are healthy. And then you got the left... You got... The bulldozers on the left hand side, and you're you're running it that way as much as you can with your your big guys. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. I mean, but even if they don't go that, or even if they do go with the you know Jenkins and Bakhtiari as the opposing tackles, like I said, very telling that they're not working him at left tackle right now. I think that that spells very good things for the the prospects of this team uh, going into the regular season. Um, probably don't expect him to play. This preseason, maybe the last game for a series, but with a guy that talented, I don't think you need to. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with Tunyon, not too worried about him. Would hope to see Christian Watson this weekend, though. Would love to see him just just to see kind of what, yeah, what, what, we, what we got. got. Now, defensively, you know, Packers joint practice with the Saints today. Um Jerry Alexander still locking down on Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas coming back in the swing of things for the Saints. Don't expect him to probably play this preseason game on Friday night that we're all going to be at, but very excited for the game to kind of come up here. Should be a rainy day, too. That's kinda, That's kind of disappointing. It's supposed to rain pretty good. So, you tell me. so pack your ponchos. Pack your ponchos. That was always, it was always friggin' family night that's supposed to rain. It's not supposed to rain yeah, for preseason games. Exactly. Which we're still going to be tailgating and everything like that. It should be a good time. 
can meet me down at Green Bay Distillery as I'll be there with the fan. Check it out. May sign an autograph or two. I've done it before. Shouldn't, but you know, you probably should get the guys who are gonna be on the show instead of the setup guy, but whatever, do what you gotta do. But all in all, I mean, really not a whole lot to break down from the game. Uh didn't love the two long touchdowns in the first half by the Niners. No. But also when you think about you're playing guys that are if they make the team, they're specialists. They're not, you know, you're not rolling with any of your top probably five corners in that game. And probably your top three safeties or four safeties. And and all the hype coming out of this game too was for Trey Lance had an amazing an amazing preseason game, everything like that for the 49ers. And you talking he's playing he's playing against third and fourth string guys, I mean you know, I mean, I know, I know he's talented, but I, I gotta just use kind of a line here uh, from Hard Knocks last week. The opening scene of Hard Knocks last week: Dan Campbell, Motor City Dan Campbell, sitting in front of his team. Open the show, open the season with talking about how there's guys who are going to be starters, and that's not going to be questioned. You know, they're mm-hmm. you know everyone's competing for a job, but it's all different perspectives. Guys who are playing for Green Bay in the preseason aren't playing for starting positions. They're not playing. Well, some of the offensive line, I'll, I'll say that they are, but yeah, they're not playing. A lot of guys aren't playing for starting positions. You have a lot of guys who are fighting for playing time. You have a lot of guys who are fighting for a job. Yep. And that's kind of what you're seeing with the Packers preseason. That's where they're at. So when you have a Trey Lance, who's going against the guys who are fighting for some playing time and a job, I'm not going to read too much of that. No, no. Talk to me week eight of the season and how he's doing and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I'm not even going to, you know, like I said, there were some warts the defense had, but when you're playing vanilla packages and having guys, like I said, who are fighting for a job or playing time, we'll talk week eight. Yeah, exactly. Week five, whatever. Yeah. doesn't matter. We'll talk that. Yep. I, I'm really looking forward to just kind of seeing it all in action again as we kind of see game two. Now, first round of cuts were today. Uh, kind of a surprising cut, I got to say, in Dominique Daphne. Oh, really? Got cut. And kind of expected him to be, you know, depending on the stats of Tunyon, or even with Tunyon, I kind of expected him to make that main opening 53. Now, with Tunyon kind of being activated, and they actually did pick up, I can't remember who they picked up, but they did pick up another tight end off of waivers over the weekend. I guess it kind of takes up his spot, but kind of surprised to see him in the first round of cuts. I really kind of would have thought maybe Tyler Davis, maybe you know one of these other kind of tight ends who, you know, you, even when you go to training camp practice now, you give you like the press gazette like handout or whatever, and they're not even in there because they were picked yeah. up two yeah. weeks ago and the thing was printed three weeks ago. So kind of surprised, like I said, surprised to see Dominic Daphne, but best of luck to him wherever he goes. Yep. And and as we kind of like I said, we look ahead to this coming weekend. Uh, like you said, potentially in the rain. Uh, Packers did end up signing Dexter Williams as just a little bit of extra running back depth. Uh, really kind of coming out of that game, um, not a whole lot on the ground for the Packers on Friday night against the defense. 
of the 49ers looking at rushing stats. Uh, Tyler Goodson had 12 for 37. Dexter Williams did have three for 29 in his return. Jordan Love, four for 24. And then uh, B.J. Baylor from Oregon State had seven for 19. Daniel Link, four for 18. Patrick Taylor, three for 10. And Mario Rogers, eight or one for four. Also, let's talk about uh, special teams. Yes. Because they looked way better than than they have for the past, what, I'd say probably five, ten years. Easily that long. I mean... I mean, Amari Rogers had what fifty-yard kickoff return and got tackled by Bisaccia. Yeah, and got tackled by Bisaccia, which it was cool to see him being excited about it too. Well, and that's a couple. I mean, he's you been because he's been on Amari Rogers. That's exactly this what I was going to say. So far, he. I mean, he's a very, very vocal presence on that sideline and at training camp and at games. I, I love that. I am very excited to for the Rick Bisaccia special teams era of yep. the Green Bay Packers. And kind of putting a, an emphasis, you know, for so long, and we've talked about this on this show, we've talked about this, you know, just in general. Special teams is really kind of an indicator as where you are as a team. Are you guys guys who are playing in there? Or are they just kind of backup guys who you just have on the roster that you need to fill out 11 guys on the field? Or are they, you know, you're going to, you need to have a couple of guys who are pretty much designated specialists. Yeah. Look at Jared Bush for as long as he was. He was a specialist. He wasn't, I mean, he played some corner. Yeah, but he was a slot, very but... good, very big liability at corner. Yeah. And he's kind of a liability on special teams too. <laughs> he, but... he was. Yeah. Just ask your dad. <laughs> yeah. Every, <laughs> every effing time, block in the back, number 24, green. Every time it seemed like, but a very good career being that specialist captain and. Nope. Eventually kind of breaking that routine out of that. So you need a couple guys like that, though. Absolutely. And and just kind of seeing that and see, you know, kind of limiting the other team on their kickoffs, too. And, you know, all the little things that you that you we didn't have for the past how many years? I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time we had a even a just a kickoff return for a touchdown. So it Randall Cobb. I don't think it's that far back. I don't think it's that far back. But it feels like it, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like it's been a long time. I'm curious. i got to look that up. I, I'm i almost kind of thinking it was Randall Cobb's 108 yard against the Saints, but I don't think that's right either. That doesn't sound right is is the thing. But, yeah, they just Rich Biasaccia just being so vocal and enjoying what he's doing and – just being able to get the team and the special teams where it needs to be. That's the one thing that we've lacked for 10 years. So they had a punt return touchdown on December 28th, 2014. I'm trying to figure out who did this. Looking into this. One sec. I can't even think of who that would even be. Oh, no, I, I, I lied. Hold on. <laughs> this website's really confusing. I'm trying to figure out what the hell. Yeah, it was that way. It was Micah Hyde. Oh, it was Micah Hyde? On a punt return. That makes sense. I forget. They did have a preseason return uh, for Trevor Davis in 2017, but... Yeah, preseason doesn't count. Last regular season one night... So that was a punt return. Last kick return. Oh, yeah. It was. 
Randall Cobb, what 2011, Randall Cobb? 108 yards. So, so that's 10, 11 years. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't happen as much as it used to anymore. Right. Uh, that's that's kind of one caveat of this, especially with what the last four or five years now yeah. with the kickoff being moved up. You should see him out of the back of the end zone. Everyone watches it kind of like a home run ball. And OK, let's bring the offense out. Yep. All right, everyone's going to watch it. Okay. And then you had Devin Hester, who just brought everything back because he was just could. Yeah. He, he could have, any any ball he touched, he could have ran it, ran it back. And which, did. I just yeah. Didn't ex- which, and he did. Yeah, exactly. Which sucked because he was a bear for the most of the time, but that is what it is. Absolutely. So... Kind of going into preseason game two. This one, the only home game or the only preseason game at Lambeau Field this year. Coming up Friday night, couple. I think I'll I'll give you three things, Sean, that you kind of want to watch for. I'm going to give you three things I'm going to watch for. Uh, one, I kind of want to see what the defense will bring this week, and I say that you know again, like I said, preseason usually has vanilla defenses. But what I the kind of counter to that though is that the Saints have a lot of young talent. I mean, we're not going to see Alvin Kamara. That you know, yeah, we're not going to see Michael Thomas. But I can't imagine we're not going to see Chris Olave, which which is kind of exciting. Just sorry to cut you off, but it's because that's who the Packers were kind of projected to draft, mm-hmm. and kind of what what we could have been could have had, and all that kind of stuff. So one, just to see him in the uniform and see how does the defense match up against a guy who's kind of at that upper caliber which not saying that we you know christian watson or romeo dobbs isn't romeo dobbs is probably one of the biggest early steals of this draft granted we're you know we haven't even played a regular snap season snap yet but it's looking more and more like that steal every day so i'm kind of curious how the defense matches up against olave and kind of the scheme of the saints and also what this this new look saints are going to be the first year without sean payton second year without drew Brees. um can't imagine Jameis Winston's going to play in the preseason game, but I was going to say because Jameis is their quarterback. Because I I thought I seen something last week that Taysom Hill was full time tight end now. Believe so. I'm going to take a look because they maybe look at some stats here it's too. Which is kind of crazy that wasn't Taysom Hill. He was a Green Bay. Packer. He was a Green Bay Packer when he first first came out of, or got was it, he wasn't drafted though right he was no on, he was an he was, unsigned um, free agent after the draft was the kind of like a priority guy yeah um ian book oh yeah was their starting quarterback so kind of looking at what the saints did we'll kind of as you know as we, after we kind of wrap up here um talking about our three things so that's kind of the first thing is just see the defense um kind of flip side of that i want to see i do want to see christian watson and assuming he plays, assuming yep. he plays, I want to see that. And I'm trying to give you some stuff so you can, you can have three things too. I'm trying to think right now. So, but just kind of seeing, you know, how much they use him. If they kind of just are looking to kind of ease him in more, I've got to imagine he probably will play, even if it's very limited. Um, but that's kind of what I'm looking for. Step two, and then step three. I just kind of want to see an improvement and, you know, kind of see, you know, again, you only scored seven points in the second half last week. And again, you know, it's Danny Etling being the quarterback. He's played on a thousand teams, but 
I kind of expect to see, you know, maybe a little bit more Jordan Love this week. Kind of just see what the offense is going to do, how they're going to respond. And really, you know, very positive thing we saw last week was just them moving the ball. They didn't score every possession, but they moved the ball very well throughout the game. So that's kind of what I'm looking to see this coming week. Sean, what do you got for your three things? Uh, We talked about it before. I'd like to see him run the ball a little bit more, get a few more. Let's get rushing yards and because that's pretty much what we're going to be built for this year is what I'm thinking is we're going to run the ball as as often as we can, of course. I mean, we're still, we still have Aaron Rodgers, but that's kind of the first thing. And we'll go number two. I, I want to see, I want to see the special teams keep it up. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And let's go number three. Like you said, I think just being able to match up with some guys, some young guys. Cause I mean, we got some pretty good young wide receivers in our division that is going to be a testament of who's going to cover those guys. I mean, you, of course, you're going to have Jair, you're going to have Russell Douglas, but you're still going to have... And Stokes. And Stokes. But, I mean, you're still... You still got to have that fourth... fourth you need to have depth, guy. Yeah. you know. Absolutely. And I mean, Jair's, Jair's been kind of injury-prone. I mean, it's just stuff like that. So, those are my three. And just... Kind of touching on mine, I was going to see if you want to take it, but just to see what Jordan Love does, you know, at home, can he do it back-to-back weeks? Yeah. We, you know, the, the numbers weren't pretty, but we what we saw was good. I want to see if he can build on that and maybe have a better statistical game and kind of live up to that, you know, or kind of keep the momentum going. Or, you know, is there, are all the haters going to get to come out? Again, yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, while we're just quick on this, has anyone been more disliked by their own fans more than Jordan Love? I the only thing I can think of is Aaron Rodgers when he got drafted by when he got drafted behind Brett because everybody loved Brett up here. Yeah, that that's the only only one I can think of. I mean, I just I just. I don't get the hate of this guy. No. I mean, he has been an excellent person dealing with all this bullshit year after year after year. As a person, as, you know, saying all the right things, doing the right things. I just, I can't, for the life of me, figure out where all this animosity. And, you know, you could say he's a first-round pick, the Packers. Maybe they could have taken another guy. You know, maybe they take wide receiver there. Maybe they take somebody... You know, you trade up for him. You don't really lose that much in that trade, but I. And I get the optics aren't great, especially now that the Packers kind of double down on the Rodgers contract, given the extension passed when Love would be uh, done playing. I just, like I said, I just can't. I don't get it. The only, the only other one I, I guess it's not. The only other one I can think of is the Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Which I don't think Alex Smith was really hated, but I think everybody wanted Patrick Mahomes after that first year. Right. And it's just but that that's the only other one that I can kind of that would kind of be the same I I can think of. Yeah, that's really about all I can think of as well. But, I mean just so but, quick to move on and and just, you know, try to run a guy out of town. I love Aaron Rodgers. I do. Do I want him to be the quarterback as long as he wants to be the quarterback? 
here in Green Bay. You know, especially he's going to have back-to-back MVP seasons again, and maybe a third one, maybe a fourth one, whatever. But it gives probably gives you your best chance to Super Bowl right now. I get oh, that. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, but I don't. You can you can like Aaron Rodgers, and you can still like Jordan Love. Exactly. And you know, last preseason maybe it was a little disappointing at times. You know, maybe he was a little timid, reserved. Lost the game against Kansas City. Whatever. I, yeah. I I don't think that's a great judgment. And then you look at the stats from that game, and he had two two interceptions that really weren't his fault. Yeah. And I, you you look back, and Aaron Rodgers wasn't all that great in the pre, his first couple of preseasons either. No, absolutely I mean, not. Because what it, his first game was in Dallas, wasn't it? His first game, it, his first game he appeared in was the 07-08 season before Favre retired. It was against Dallas. Well, his first game, he played meaningful snaps. In yeah, exactly. Because Favre got hurt in early part of that game. And it was a Thursday night game in Dallas. And he had to play. He looked really good. But it also took three preseasons, basically, to kind of get that full potential out. And granted, you know, you could talk about how it's a different league now. You know, you don't really have that draft and develop. You want to get the contract, blah, blah, blah. But. Again, I, what that's just a totally different. But I, I think a lot of it has to do too with Aaron's finally getting to the point where he's taking him under his wing a little bit more. Sure. Than, than he has for the, than he did for the first year for sure. And but I, you know, I kind of wonder, and I know we've kind of talked about this, but how much of that really was? I mean, there was COVID restrictions everywhere. You know, you really couldn't have those guys in the same room because of how the NFL was treating COVID at the time. Like, I mean, it was kind of like how they have the, the lone survivor with, like, the um, the State of the Union address or whatever. Everybody but one cabinet member is at the thing. They always have one designated cabinet member. Yeah. At the time, quarterbacks, they were treating quarterbacks like that. Yeah. Where you had one, you know, and a couple guys in each position group who were not interacting with the other position players or people in their position group. So I wonder the impact on that. I wonder really what the impact of not knowing what his role was going to be coming into, you know, last season and trying to prepare for two different types of things and knowing that target was on your back when he did come back, when Rodgers did come back, I think it was just more of a mental thing. Yeah. And I I think I think we touched on this last week with Tom Clements coming coming yeah, back. Absolutely. I, th- I think that is a big just with how comfortable he is with Aaron and just how comfortable He's got to be making Jordan Love feel is got a lot to do with everything, too, I think. Absolutely. So we're kind of just going to take a quick look at the other sideline ahead of the game against the Saints. Uh, starting quarterback last week was Andy Dalton. Went 5 of 5, 51 yards. The Red uh, Rocket. One Andy touchdown, Dalton. interceptions, 148.8 passer rating. Rest of the game was Ian Book, 15 to 22, 121 yards. This came in a 17 to 13 loss against the Texans. Uh, leading rusher for the Saints, they had Abram Smith, the product of Baylor. Uh, he had seven carries for 30 yards, no touchdowns. Had, I don't know who any of these guys are. <laughs> Tony Jones Jr. out of Notre Dame. He had seven for 27. D.O. Zigbo, eight for 26. Ian Book, that's four a, for 22. That's a name right there. 
Uh, Washington was nine in for 19. Dalton had one rush for six yards, and Prentice had one rush for zero yards. So all in all, they had 130 on the ground, uh, no rushing touchdowns, a long of 11 yards. Uh, receiving uh, did not – or one catch from Olave uh, for four yards. Had one catch for Ozigbo that was negative one yards. Ian Book actually had a reception for negative two yards. Nice. Must have kind of caught a deflection. Something. Because there was only two quarterback or two passing. <laughs> so unless he was catching a ball from Dalton, which I'm going to go on record saying he didn't. Um, leading the team for the Saints in week one was, I'm probably going to murder the shit out of this name, Dejean or Dejean Dixon, product of Nichols College. 6'4", 200 pounds, born 1998. He had three catches for 33 yards. Uh, then also kick Kawan Baker from South Alabama, two for 31. And uh, Marquez Callaway, one for 19. Only touchdown for the Saints appears to have been a Dwayne Washington out of Washington University. Looks like he had a touchdown that was three for 18. He had three of 18 and the touchdown. He had three targets with a long of nine yards. Nice. So not a whole lot really going for the Saints offense either. Uh, four turnovers in that game. Or excuse me, two turnovers. They had four fumbles, lost two of them in the game. So not a whole lot brewing there for the Saints. Looks taking a loss to Houston, which, you know, totally different preseasons that they're both in. But both teams come in 0-1. For those degenerates out there that do like to partake in the gambling of preseason games, which I do not I do not look down on. I mean, if you want to go do it, I'm all for it. I like wagering as much as the next person does. Um, the Packers are a three-point favorite right now. With a minus 150 betting line. If you were to look at the Saints money line, it'd be plus 130. <laughs> so make of that what you will. Packers are the three-point home favorite. Over under 40 points in that game, Sean. Oh, I, I'm going under. I I'm, got I got to go under on that. With I mean, Saints didn't score much. Packers really didn't score all that much so you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna take the over and if it's gonna be rainy uh i'm gonna take the over okay life is too short to bet the under so that's kind of what we're looking at and i know last week we made our predictions um really shauna was the only one that really won technically Mm -hmm. i'll give her the win yeah i think we two yards off six step you know six feet two steps we'll give her the the win last week Nice job, Shauna. I know you, I don't know if you're listening or not out in the, the other part of the apartment here, but congratulations. Um, so, Sean, prediction for this week or something you want to see? Well, let's do this. Something you want. Well, we did the three keys we're looking for. So yeah, let's just yeah. do the prediction. Do the prediction, huh? Um, I don't know. I'm going to go over 100 rushing yards this, this week. Total or from one particular total, player? Total. Because I don't think one particular player is going to. Gonna go over a hundred. So by for just for what it's worth, in the game against the 49ers, combined, the Packers did have 141 rushing yards. Oh shit. Sorry. 
Uh, let's go. You want to bump that up to 150? Yeah, let's go 150. Okay. I'll go 150. All right. That's a good one. I am going to go... I don't know. I kind of want to double down on my Jordan Love more touchdowns than interceptions because I don't... I, I, you know, knock on wood. <laughs> I don't think that happens again, but I don't want to also be lame about it either. I'm going to say... I'm gonna go kind of on the route you did last week, but I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with Jordan Love, but I'm not gonna say the more. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna start three touchdowns. We're gonna hit that over. He's gonna hit three touchdowns and hit the over. Hmm. It's a bold statement right there, Cotton. I, I'm well aware. Three touchdowns. I'll I'll even I'll even double down on this. I'm gonna say three total touchdowns. Three I, I, he might rush one too. Ooh. I don't I'm not gonna make that my official prediction he's gonna throw <laughs> two and rush one. But I would say three total touchdowns from Jordan Love, and the game hits the over of 40 points. Ah, shit. As we say this, you know, we talk about the Brewers. Joey Gallo just went yard. So a 2-1 game. We'll see how that game ends up turning out as we, as the episode comes out, the score obviously will have hopefully been in the books. I would hope so. <laughs> We're... If we're still recording at, or if the game's still going at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, we're probably going to have other problems. But yeah, so Joey Gallo just made cut the lead in half. Brewer's still up two to one, uh, top fifth. Uh, Sean, that's really all we got besides just kind of wrap it up with what you're rooting for in the upcoming week. Uh, I'm rooting for, I'm going to a Brewer game Thursday on a Brewer bus out of McGuire's in Lena. And then, of course, going to the Packer game on Friday. So that's kind of what I'm rooting for this week. And. Which I'm hope, hoping is, I think we got Corbin Burns against Andrew Haney. That's correct. On on Thursday, so that should be should be a pretty good game. I'm going to shout out quick here for our guys who are not here. Take a little NASCAR action. Uh, you know, this weekend, might get some racing in, uh, you know, either watching on TV. We'll see how the weekend ends up playing out. But uh, Sunday at Watkins Glen... Road track racing is the way NASCAR is going, so kind of a chance to see where the guys are at the Glen. I'm expecting Hendricks to be kind of back on top, kind of back-to-back wins for Kevin Harvick, if I'm not mistaken. So oh, really? See how that plays out. Um, I'm kind of actually I'm going to predict a, a Kyle Larson win this week. He's He's been close so many times. Uh, also, shout-out in the Truck Series, Saturday, uh, Friday night, or Saturday night, excuse me. Uh, Chandler Smith gets the win, but... Ty Majeski, kind of the story of that race where, first of all, almost his uh, one of his tire men fell down and almost got run over. Uh, so that was on social media, but qualified first. Uh, he ended up uh, finishing in third, so close to that first win. Even NASCAR's social media kind of, you know, he's so close. He had a great truck. Um, just kind of one of those where one small thing here they're different could have helped them out but that 66 thor sports thor motorsports trucks looking better and better every week uh the truck series does have the week off this week so they will be back in under the lights on uh, friday september 9th so a couple weeks off here Mm -hmm. uh, before they head to kansas so we'll see i love seeing what he's been doing and see where that takes him in that playoff run 
coming up here as he kind of cements hopes to cement his status here uh, he's in fifth in the standings right now cutoff will be eight after that uh, kansas race so hopefully kind of maintain and then see where he can go from there in his first full season with trucks so that's root first concert show episode 83 for sean Klosterman. i'm eric fisher we're out see ya see ya